You're listening to a podcast from Washington Post Live, bringing the newsroom to you live. Good morning. I'm Jonathan Capehart, Associate Editor of the Washington Post. Welcome to Washington Post Live and another in our series on race in America co-produced with the Capehart Podcast. The Memory Librarian and Other Stories of Dirty Computer is the debut novel by singer, songwriter, actor, and activist Janelle Monet, which drops tomorrow and brings her to Washington for an event at 6th and I tomorrow night. But she is here right now. Janelle Monet, welcome to the Capehart Podcast on Washington Post Live. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for being here. You know, uh, I ran up and introduced myself to you at the um, grand opening of the National Museum of African American History, that, that great, great day. So I know I've gotten a chance to meet you face to face, even though we are here virtually. So let's, I would, before we talk about your book, I mean, your book takes its name from your latest album entitled Dirty Computer. Um, Hold on, let me get myself situated. We're gonna go a little sure. off script. Really love this okay. back, clothes in the back. We're gonna get real. <laughs> Real right now. Okay. I think that's you a ready? little bit. I feel like that's a little better, but I'm in a hotel in New York, so I'm trying to make it work uh, how it you needs still, to work. All right. you, Go ahead. you still look I'll glam. You still look glam. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, all these clothes in the background. I'm so OCD when it comes to that. But go ahead. What was your question? All right. Okay. Dang. So, so. Yes, so your book takes its name from your latest album entitled Dirty Computer. But before yeah. we talk about the book, we have to talk about the albums, and I still call them albums, uh, upon which Dirty Computer stands. The, the Arch Android, which is my favorite uh, of your albums, and, and The Electric Lady. Am I wrong in thinking that put together, they represent the arc of your artistry and storytelling that culminates now in your book, The Memory Librarian? Yeah, I think that they all complement um, where I am right now. You know, I'm honestly just getting started uh, with music, with writing, with film, with TV. And every time I go to the drawing board, you know, with an idea or something new, uh, it feels like a new life. It feels like a new me. Um, what do you mean by dirty computer? Dirty computers are incredible beings, so complex, so nuanced. We are artists living on our own terms, redefining what it means to create. Um, we are, you know, coming into this world, into marginalized communities. Uh, and a lot of us are in the LGBTQIA plus communities, black, brown, and we challenge the status quo. We challenge the people that say that our very existence um, should should be second class or you can't even talk about uh you know we challenge those people who say like a greg abbott who says we can't even talk about the lgbtqia plus communities in our books uh race and you know critical race theory like we're we're not here to assimilate we are here to stay rooted in our authenticity and that is what this book is about this is hope um for the people in my communities that i feel like uh, have been pushed to the back of the line when it comes to um, just being taken care of and being been seen. And the fact that they're very, in this moment, this book is so, <laughs> it's sci-fi, right? But it's so meta mm -hmm. because it speaks a lot um, to some of the themes and the uh, horrific acts that we're dealing with right now in today's society. 
You know, you know, Ms. Monet, I I had a series of questions about Greg Abbott and and um, DeSantis for later in the interview, but you brought it up. So I'm going to jump in there, especially because you touched on something I was going to ask you later, and that is, you know, your songs and this, your albums and this book, they're all sort of the scaffolding is science and sci-fi and, and futurism. But when you listen to the lyrics and listen to what you're talking about, it's all set in the here and now, in the present. And just as an artist, I'm wondering, why why use futurism as a way of getting into your storytelling as opposed to just being flat out it's 2020 it's 2022 and here are the issues we're talking about and I'm going to deal with them head on is it art imitating life or is it life imitating art that is the question that <laughs> that is indeed that is indeed the question. You know, you um, just said a moment ago um, when talking about dirty computers, we're not here to assimilate. And there was a time in this country when assimilation was what you needed to do, what you must do in order to live out the American dream, however you, de however you define that. Um, do you think that that, uh, that idea, that overarching idea that used to blanket the country, assimilation, is gone. No, it's not gone. Um, I think that generations before me, I'll just speak to like my great grandmothers and my grandmother's generation, you know, they went through a lot to get uh, a home uh, to be, you know, looked at as like good citizens. But um, I'm not, I'm not for, they, 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 they paved the way so that our generation didn't have to assimilate. Mm -hmm. I want to show up as my authentic black queer ass everywhere I go. Don't get it twisted just because you see me in a tuxedo or, you know, you see me, um, uh, you know, I won't allow projection uh, to define who I am. It's always been about freedom. It's always been about, you know, walking through this world, creating the art that I want to create without somebody telling me, oh, you should do it this way, or you should do it that way, or this is how artists that look like you write music, what you should do. I mean, I'm living outside the binary and I'm encouraging everybody to live outside of that binary as much as they can. Uh, this, is, this is not the era to um, assimilate. This is just like, we're not, we're not on that. Yeah. How hard is it then to live your authentic self, given the world that we're in? How hard is it for you to stand up to those, to those folks uh, in your business in particular who say to you, you know what, if you really want to succeed in music or if you really want to succeed in films, you have to sing in this such a way, or you have to act in, in mm -hmm. this such a way? Well, I dealt with that like at the beginning of my, uh, beginning of my career, and now I'm a little more soft. I, I felt like I had to come into this industry and prove that I could do this and I, I'm, I can do that. I can do this. You won't box me in. And I kind of fought a lot, um, you know, coming into my career. Now I'm in the most, I have nothing to prove space. I'm doing, I'm following my gut. I'm doing the types of things that I'm moved by and I believe in. 
Um, and I, I'm giving myself that permission. I'm not seeking permission. I'm not trying to be validated or prove anything, you know? Um, so I think that I'm at a different place in my life, but there are just people in everyday life that may not have those options. And I just hope that when they're reading this book and when they, you know, just see me living my life that maybe it's some inspiration and encouragement that to let, to remind them that this is this one life as we know it on earth, right? We don't know what we're going to come back into, but make the most of it. Stay present, find good people you can laugh with, you can experience this life with and, and um, do the things that you, that you want to do, do them. Even if they don't, you know, come out how you like, you can always look back and say, but I took a risk on me. I bet it on myself. You know, listening to your answer there, it took me um, back to um, your song, Crazy, Crazy Classic Life, where that's what that, and, and particularly in the video, that's what that is all about, living that crazy classic life. And there's a line in there um, that is very, very pointed, but speaks to what you were just talking about is you, you saying, I am not America's nightmare. I am the American dream. Talk about the power in, in being able to articulate that, say it out loud for everybody to hear. Yes, I am not, I am not America's nightmare. I am the American dream. I am, I get to define that on my own terms. And that's what I love about Afro, Afrofuturism in this book is that we see ourselves, black and brown people, we get to determine these things on our own terms. We get to say how we thrive in the future. We get, to, we get to talk about us. We don't have people discussing our narratives that haven't lived them, that don't know um, the stories that have been passed down generations to generations to generations of us that we are telling ourselves to remain sane. Uh, they don't know those things. And so um, I think that the American dream is defined by us. You know, it shouldn't be because of what white folks have done and been able to do, if we're doing what they're doing, then we're living the American dream. No, the American dream could be to somebody, I wanna smoke my weed. I wanna be able to drive uh, without being pulled over. I want to um, you know, provide for my family and take our family on trips without being racially profiled. I, I, I wanna run up and down the street naked without people thinking that I, I'm, you know, that my body is their body. I get to define uh, freedom on my own terms, especially as, as long as I'm not hurting anybody. Like, let's redefine what the American dream looks like as well. Right. You know, talk about the people and stories that are in the memory library and how did you, how did you gather them and why was it important to tell the variety of stories that are in it? Well, you know, because the memory librarian is inspired from the same soil as Dirty Computer, um, I had so much to work with. I mean, this is a, a, a project that is centered around memories being erased, literally, like the New Dawn, uh, this corrupt totalitarian regime, taking people's memories, making them become versions of people that they want them to be. They want them to assimilate, so they'll, they'll, they'll manipulate them, take their memories, and give them new identity. And so this is a story of um, black and brown folks, queer community, like pretty much all of the, the leads in here are in, of the communities that I care so much about. And 
they win, they prevail. Like this is just a reminder that throughout history, you can try, you can try, you can try, but we will prevail. The uprising will always happen. You can't erase us. We can't be erased. <laughs> Our stories will never be erased. We will figure out a way to come back um, to the dirt, the dirt that is us. We are of dirt, right? Mm -hmm. And so um, I collaborated with five incredible writers. Um, I collaborated with Danny Lohr on a short story called Nevermind. I collaborated with Elia Don Johnson on The Memory Librarian, Cherie Renee Thomas on uh, Time Box Altered, Eve L. Ewing on Time Box. And I also collaborated with, I have one more story uh, that I'm missing that is just so near and dear to my heart. Oh, Johanka Delgado on Save Changes. And so um, this is a group of black and brown uh, writers who please check out their work if you can, but it got inspired from a thought experiment. I was like, what if in the world of Dirty Computer, there was a memory librarian, memory librarian who knew everybody's memories, who knew all of the town's past identities. What does that mean though, when the memory librarian wants to fall in love? What do you do when you know everybody's secrets? And also being um, someone who, who does find a love interest in Aletheia in this story, she, also gets brought back to her past and who she was before she became a memory keeper. And then there was another story called Time Box. What does it mean um, to reclaim your time? Literally, if there was a time box, a room in your apartment that you didn't know exist, but you found out when you walked into this room that time stopped, you could really make time stop. And this speaks to time poverty. This speaks to like all of the time that we lose fighting against white supremacy, fighting against racism, fighting against classism, all of that, and you're out on the streets marching, how are you using that time? Are you resting? Are you having sex? Are you telling the rest of the community about this place? Like, what does that mean? And so it really started from these kind of thought experiments. Uh, talk more about uh, about Alethea, whose full name is Alethea 56934, and you say her number indicates a known deviance but also that she has been cleared for full reintroduction to society. What does that mean in, in this world uh, of the dirty computer that she um, has been cleared for full reintroduction to society? Well, I don't wanna give away too much of the story, but Alicia is a trans woman. And Alicia, in our stories, it's not like, we, we, we live, we exist, nobody is made, to feel, you know, less than. Um, and this story really does speak to the trans experience. Um, it speaks to love within that experience and how two people are just connected with their hearts and their minds. And um, it's such a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful love story. I can't wait for everybody. All right. So, um, um, what's happening in the country right now? particularly when it comes to the trans community and particularly to young trans people with states passing laws that criminalize providing, criminalize their parents and doctors for providing them with gender affirming care. One state, which escapes my mind right now, was going to make it illegal for parents to go out of state to find that care for their children. What do, you, what do you make of what's happening in this country when it comes to trans rights and trans rights 
transgender Americans' rights to be free and live their lives free of harassment. I think it's awful. I think it's awful from every angle for you to tell somebody who they are and try and control somebody's body, their mind. Like, how are you going to tell somebody who they are better than they can tell themselves who they are? Kids know who they are. They know who they are. Like, I have a niece and a nephew, and they were showing us things about themselves, you know, at a very young age. And I think that is just wrong. Um, and I, I have lots of trans friends and family and people I love and care about. And I just want to say sorry. You know, I'm so sorry that this is being your life experience, uh, that you're not being taken care of in the way that you should as a human being. Trans rights are human rights, period. You know, let's talk more um, about this, because whether it's race, gender identity, sexual orientation, um, we also know that multiple states have introduced legislation to prevent even discussion of, the, of these issues, whether it's the Don't Say Gay bill in Florida or the countless number of, <clears throat> excuse me, of pieces of legislation looking to um, do away with or end, quote unquote, critical race theory from being taught in schools, which is not, it's not being taught uh, in schools at all outside of particular <laughs> law school classes at particular universities. But what does it say to the LGBTQIA plus community, to communities of color, that there are elected officials who are actively trying to erase them uh, from the history books, from the classrooms, uh, and as a result of doing that, erasing them from society. You just said it. <laughs> Literally trying to erase us from history, present, and future, and from society. It's been happening. And unless we stand up as human beings and fight back against it, it's gonna continue to happen. We cannot get lazy with this. And so then, well, I, I, I like the fact to say we can't get lazy with this because there are a lot of people, a lot of activists out there who are frustrated and you know, understandably frustrated and angry that after you know, getting rid of Donald Trump in the White House and, and electing a Democratic president, uh, President uh, Biden and Vice President Harris, um, that you know, they thought voting rights and criminal justice reform and police reform and, and other priorities of the community would get done. Uh, and here we are a year and a half, and there's been no progress on any of those issues. What do you say to young people and young activists who think that, feel that, you know, I'm so frustrated, I'm just going to sit home when it comes time to vote in the midterm elections in November? I mean, I think their frustrations are rightfully so. I think that um, if you need a break, you need a break. Take a break. Take a break. Um, but just know that, you know, we're all like the people hold the power. We hold the power. We get to say who should be in office, who shouldn't. You know, we can say, okay, this next go around, I'm going to vote for this person. Or <clears throat> I thought that voting for this person was a thing to do, but maybe not. But I'm big on local elections. Like, 
senators, like on on a local level, understanding, I think that people have to get more engaged with that because these are the people who are advocating for your communities in a in a in a more um, focused way. It's more bottom up and less top down. So get really invested in the local elections if you can and rest when you need to rest. You know, that sounds getting um, involved in local elections. John Legend was here on the K-Part podcast on Washington Post Live, and he had that very same message. I mean, he even mm-hmm. went even deeper local. He was like, vote in the district attorney races. Yeah. Vote, you know, yeah. vote for local judges. Um, Please Ms. do. Renee, you, you're a co-chair of When We All Vote, which was created by former First Lady Michelle Obama and has now merged with Civic Nation, which is um, chaired by Valerie Jarrett. Why has voting rights become such an important cause for you? I think because I know that systemically things have to change in order for us to see real change. Like, we have to get, we have to get in office the people who are going to be advocating for the communities that we love and care about. And you can do that. That's one way to do that, and that's through voting. You also formed um, an initiative called Fem the Future, which empowers female filmmakers. Talk more about that. Yeah, uh, women, non-binary uh, artists who want to be behind the scenes in production, TV and film and music, engineering, all of that. You know, I just want to give more opportunities um, to them. Uh, I think we're out there. They're out there but not really being able to like work on a high professional level. And I think that that's a big problem and an oversight in our industries. And I'm trying to do whatever I can to help make that happen. You've touched on this in various uh, answers, but it seems this Nina Simone quote has come up in many interviews that I've done because it's very, it seems to be a driving force among many artists of color, particularly African-Americans, Nina Simone once said, an artist's duty is to reflect the times. You have even cited this. Why, how do you see your role um, in today's times through your art? I think that that quote is a beautiful quote. Um, I think that right now for me, I'm in a space where I'm the most carefree, I don't have anything to prove space. I've also spent a significant amount of my career uh, reflecting the times. And, you know, yeah, if you listen to my music, you will know when I came in, um, very serious. I am at the point now in my life where I am celebrating. If we're not talking about vacation, I really don't want to talk. <laughs> if we're not trying to, <laughs> I really don't want to talk. Like, I realize that with white supremacy, with sexism, all these isms, everything, there has to come a moment where, as a human being, I'm existing and I'm enjoying life. And I'm not distracted from enjoying my life because of that. I will continue to fight. I will continue to stand with. I will also continue to find joy. I will also continue to give my rest. I will also continue to thrive and do it unapologetically. So that is my form of resistance and rebellion. And I, I'm into it. I'm here for it. You know who you sound like? 
Ms. Monet, Ooh. this is interesting. You and you sound like my my one of my dearest friends, Tamron Hall, um, who has oh, that that. Yes, yeah, so it has that same mindset, but you also have um, a person in common, uh, and that is Prince. Um, yeah. You you have said Prince's spirit uh, will never leave you, and I can totally hear um, his influence in your 2018 song, Make Me Feel. How does his spirit stay with you today? Ooh, it's just, we're just forever connected. You know, Prince, um, Prince is genius and never allowed his mystery to get in the way of his mentorship. And for that, you know, when I think about Film the Future and everything I'm doing with Wonderland and ushering in new artists and collaborating with new artists. And when I think about all, all of that, I always think about him and how he was a giver. You know, he, he used his gifts to give. And he also um, was somebody who knew that this journey in life is much bigger than him. And I know that all of this is much bigger than me. And I know that I was sent here for a very specific reason. And uh, just thinking about him reminds me of that all the time. And I can hear his voice reminding me of his You know, one of the things that um, I take away from your music, but now having this extended conversation with you, I take away from just talking with you is that there is a, there is a strength, an inner strength um, to you and to everything that you say. Um, that I'm sure there's some people out there who are watching, who admire and 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 love you, who want to know where does that strength come from, and how can they replicate that in their own lives if that is something that they're desperate to to find for themselves, so that they can achieve the dreams that they want to achieve. Well, I was sent here from the future. Okay, so you were sent here from the future. So then how does someone yeah. who is... is <laughs> I was sent here from the future. So I will say that um, I think I was sent here to heal from the future. Mm -hmm. And not I think, I know. And so a lot of how I am and who I am right now has been, I've been through like a trial of experiences. You know, I've had to heal from rejection. I've had to heal from abandonment. I've had to heal from just personal things that give me the amount of wisdom that I have to be able to know that I shouldn't be spending my time here, but this is where I need to be spending my time. I had it all wrong. And so I'm just giving you life's hacks when I'm talking. You can either listen or not. I mean, some of the things that I'm saying, I didn't used to believe in. I believed in them, but I wasn't living them rather. I believed in them but I wasn't living them. Now I'm actually living what I'm saying. I'm living what I'm saying. Your book tour is starting. Um, your book comes out tomorrow. Your book tour starts tomorrow. You're going to be in Washington at 6th and I uh, for, with, before a live audience. What does it mean to engage fans and readers in person, after, especially after being hunkered down because of this <laughs> pandemic? Oh, it's, I'm so excited. This is my first tour. I haven't been in New York. Like I went, I came here a couple months ago, but I hadn't been in since 2019. I hadn't mm -hmm. been in DC since like 2018, 2019 when I was on tour. So this is, listen, this is a memory, like be your own memory librarian. 
What kind of memories are we making? Are you making? That's really my message. How can we make the best memories? Because our memories will determine the quality of the lives we live. So I look forward to seeing everyone there. That is a great message to live on because as I get older, I too am all about is this going to bring me memories that will sustain me when the times are not so are not so hot and happy? That's it. We are we are our memory. Mm -hmm. That's it. Janelle Monet, author of The Memory Librarian and Other Stories of Dirty Computer. Thank you so much for coming to Kpart on Washington Post Live. Thank you. You are lovely. Have a wonderful day. Thanks for listening. For more information on our upcoming programs, go to WashingtonPostLive.com.